You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Garrett Crochet is going to be a top-line starter. Yoan Mankata is going to have a 12-war season. Gavin Sheets is going to hit a home run every single day and uh, and more from White Sox training camp. I, I don't get that excited about individual games, a couple of innings at the beginning uh, of a game. Let's see how the next month shakes out. I do like the positivity, though. I mean, it'd be better than oh, yeah, yeah. like reports that everybody sucks. That would be upsetting. <laughs> yeah, let's not have that. Let's not have... Reports that uh, nobody's going to do anything. Everybody's terrible. Uh, we don't have any anything going for us in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, th- that would be bad. Well, it looks I like would... they're kicking the ball around defensively. But I'm not as concerned about that because that's why you have spring training, right? Like, most pitchers need to work things out. So generally, a pitcher is going to have a couple of bad starts before he gets better. Like, perfect example, I'm looking at my fantasy baseball team today because it's a big day for us getting ready for our draft, and I have George Kirby from Seattle. That guy's a pitcher. He's good. He's young. He's he's a top top tier pitcher who's just going to get better. He had a bad first start, but he's probably working on something. Some guys introduce pitches. Some guys takes him a little bit longer to get ramped up. I'm not concerned about him as a fantasy baseball owner. I'm sure the Mariners aren't concerned about him. So when a pitcher comes out and he has like a little bit of a problem, I don't worry too much about him. When a guy comes out and he's hot. It could be because Garrett Crochet is awesome. Like, Dad was super excited. He's on the phone with me yesterday. He's like, this Crochet, this Crochet looks good. Like, I mean, the guy's just, he gets excited whenever there's good news, right? And I'm like, yeah, he's good. He, he looked good. But, like, if he was a, a high-end leverage relief pitcher or a closer, that's about what you'd see from him. What is he when he goes through the lineup two times and gets into it the third time? And what is he in the fifth and sixth inning? And you're not going to see that until late in this camp, if at all, from Garrett Crochet. I mean, I, you know, it's one of those where right now the leader in the clubhouse for the White Sox in innings pitched is Nicholas Padilla with four innings. And he's got a nice whip of 0.25 and an ERA of 2.25. And last year he was bloody terrible in every way, shape, and form for Charlotte and for the White Sox. So you you get nothing in terms of the stats right now, and you can you can eyeball certain guys. And yes, Garrett Crochet looked like he has recovered from his injuries, which is important, okay? But two innings, even though he was used as a starter, doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, two innings is, is not enough of a sample size to sit there and anoint this guy as a starter, let alone a frontline starter. We've never seen it with him. He does not have a minor league track record because he was – one of those Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, we draft him and we bring him straight to the White Sox because, you know, we believe in this guy. And No, they so, just wanted somebody in the pen. And well, you know what? He was good yeah. for that. When they brought him in, it made sense. A lot of things went wrong in that shortened season in 2020. They should have beaten the A's in that one. They really they, ought to. You know, if, if Aloya Menez doesn't get hurt... I think that he powers that team through there in, in the in that last game. Oh yes, the, the the lineup was completely was completely hampered by Aloy Jimenez being hurt in that series, and that was their best chance in the entire window. That playoffs was their best chance to win a title, and, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Every, that and, was, and that's the problem. That was the that was their best chance, and when Jimenez got hurt, 
It was like the the footnote in the novel about it, like, and then everything went wrong, and it never was the same again. Because that was that was the moment where you were like, wow, this team's like caught fire. It's only a couple of months into the season. Luis Robert Jr. is just, uh, you know, otherworldly. And they every time they face a left-handed pitcher, they score twenty oh, runs. That was that was right? amazing like, that year. Teams good were purposely God. sitting really good lefties against them and 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 pitching really bad righties against them because they were so afraid. Remember that? I mean, it was lightning in a bottle in that series. And lightning in a bottle for those 60 games for that team. And it was really exciting to watch. And that was that was like their peak right there. And Crochet made sense at that time to have him in there. And again, he's a guy who got hurt too, remember? Like that game, oh, yeah. that game was like Jimenez is hurt, Crochet comes out earlier, it screws up the entire plan with the pitching. And but there was you saw that potential there. And and the thing that the White Sox should have done afterwards is maybe handle him differently because you didn't need to rush him at that point. So I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. I honestly am. Like, I would oh, love I it if too. he found a way to be a starter and he figured out the right combination of pitchers to be able to do it and could figure out how to pitch deep. But I'm also cautiously optimistic about him at best because I got to see what he looks like that second time through, through a lineup. Well, and that's my point is, is two innings at the start of spring training does not make up for what we know this man's track record to be. And and yeah, he's got potential. There's a handful of guys that were part of the previous regime's core that was going to take this team to a championship and be a sustainable champion and, and contender every year. And Garrett Crochet is one of the few guys left that I think still has the word potential attached to him, right? And and I agree. I, I think continue stretching him out as a starter because it's easy for him to go back to relieving if if it doesn't work out that he makes the rotation. But he faced, you know, two innings worth of guys. It wasn't, it's not enough. He, we've seen him do that plenty of times and look dominant, okay? He was a multi-inning reliever when he was healthy. And and yeah, Otani couldn't handle him, but it was Otani's first at bat of spring, folks. Otani may not be able to handle Garrett Crochet in general. I mean, he's he is a, he is a really good lefty, and Shohei Otani is not like... You know, a, a locked-in god of baseball. He's really good. He's he's a great player. He's probably uh, you're the just, best you're just player saying, we've seen. You're just saying that because you traded to me in fantasy and you want to downplay no, him. No, I understand. He, I get Shoyotani, it. Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani will terrible. struggle against lefties. He's, he's terrible, and I I should never have given up what I gave up for him for you. I know that's, Not that's even, how you feel. I don't care about your fantasy baseball <laughs> team, and nobody else does either, Chris. No, even even Barry Bonds couldn't hit Doug Desenzo, and he was an outfielder for the Cubs. That so is true. you know, that you know, left-handed batters will struggle with left-handed pitchers, and Garrett Crochet is a premium left-handed pitcher. Am I ready to anoint him the next ace of the staff? Not on one spring training outing. Sox and Basement listeners, for exterior windows, doors, patio doors, and storm doors, look no further than window and door superstore of Oak Forest. This touch of spring that we've had may have reminded you that that window needs to be replaced. You'd like a working screen door so you can let some air into the house. You want to update the home this year? Get over there this weekend. Visit them. 159th and Ridgeland, about a half block east of that intersection at 6280 159th Street. They've been in Oak Forest since 1985, and the owner is right there in showroom. There's also an owner on site when they use their own installers. They never farm out the work. All major brands, custom made, no stock items for a perfect fit, and you want to go visit them. They're not going to show up in your house with a little example window, and you got to kind of imagine it. Forget that. Go in and see full-size examples. You're not looking in a magazine. All the little things that you can add to the door or the window are there. Again, a half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280 159th Street. See more at windowdooroakforest.com. 
Let's go through what uh, Scott Merkin put up on WhiteSox.com or MLB.com, wherever you're reading it at, your White Sox news. Uh, Remember, he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he said something really interesting. As a beat reporter that I think is the longest standing beat reporter on that team, who's like specifically assigned to them. I know that uh, Bruce Levine is like 412 years old and uh, still still remembers what Babe Ruth looked like in the box. But uh, Merck is like the guy I like to go to because I feel like he's got his finger on the pulse because he gets so much inside information. Sometimes you got to read between the lines on things that he's saying because he's kind of telling you something's already decided. And and he actually said that, like, you may think there's 70 people, 70 players in this spring training camp, and this is a super competitive, anybody could make the team thing, but a lot of these positions are already decided. And we threw some names at him in that interview of guys that we thought were going to make the team, specifically the bench. And I found it really interesting when he put out his prediction for the White Sox opening day roster. And I'll say in previous years, he probably gets 24 out of the 26 guys every year. Sometimes he's got all 26 this early on in camp. Yeah, and and then some some in some ways it's because we've walked into training camp with really a preordained team. Yeah, he, he went through what his predictions were for the roster at this point. And looking at the players, I mean, Every single one of the guys that's a position player, we had him two weeks ago when we were talking with Merck and we were throwing names at him. Uh, Martin Maldonado and Max Stassi are going to be your two catchers. I think that's pretty obvious. Andrew Vaughn at first base. Nicky Lopez at second. DeYoung is going to be at short. Uh, you got Yuan Moncada standing over at third base. And then when you look at your outfield, Benintendi, Luis Robert Jr., Dominic Fletcher. He may not start out as the full-time right fielder, according to Merck, because you might see Pilar come in as a platoon option, but that's the guy who looks like he has the inside track at the position, and then Aloy's going to be DHing. And then when he looks at his bench, I find it very interesting that he's like Pilar, of course. We already heard about the two catchers, so you know one of them's on the bench. And then he goes Danny Mendick and Mike Moustakis. I don't see Gavin Sheets on there. I wonder if Sheets read that and was like, I need to hit home runs a lot more, because he had two of them the other day. In, in a single right. day, and he's like, "Whoa, I, I better start hitting it because nothing's guaranteed for me." Well, and and nothing is guaranteed for Gavin Sheets because unless he comes in and and he's got two ways that he can make this team. One is is that he would have to have proven that his outfield defense is so much better than it has been the past couple of years. And we know he's miscast as an outfielder. He was a first baseman, DH type. So it, it's it's not. I don't think a knock on Gavin Sheets that he's made himself even remotely acceptable in the outfield. It's just, it's not his natural position. He would either have to, had to have shown that he has gained speed, uh, learned better angles, something like that to, to be able to track down balls better. But yeah, I haven't heard anything to that effect. And, and like we've talked about, you know, the, you saw a play where Mike Mustak is playing first base, goes back and has a better read on the ball than Gavin Sheets does coming in. And so if he's not going to be a defensive guy, then he's got to show that his hitting is more aligned with what he did in the minors than it is with what he's shown in the majors so far. And you could be a, a Gavin Sheets apologist and say he's never really been given a chance to play on an everyday basis and been guaranteed a spot. I would disagree with that. I think he's been given plenty of chances over the past couple of seasons to really prove that he belongs and in, in, in hit his way into the lineup. But he's going to have to show that he can absolutely crush the ball this year and that it is going to be for home runs. We can't have him hitting, you know, home runs in the teens and call him a left-handed power hitter because that's it's it's not going to cut it. So if he's not going to crush the ball and he's not going to catch the ball, 
he's not going to make the team. And if he does crush the ball, I don't know that he supplants Dominic Fletcher as the right fielder. You start to wonder if he becomes somebody that they sit there and go, okay, we're going to take plate appearances away from, say, Andrew Vaughn if he's scuffling, and we're going to go with a strict platoon at first base where Gavin Sheets is not as much of a defensive liability. But then again, if Mike Moustakas is hitting, maybe that's his role too. Yeah, I don't know if Mike Moustakas is going to hit, right? Like, that's the I, that's, thing. I think that's been his problem the past few years, is, is that Mike Moustakas has not been, he's not been a, a good hitter since he left the Royals. Right, really. clubhouse guy, guy that's going to give his all. I could see that. Somebody's going to lead by example, sure. 100%. Somebody who can, can platoon or come in, at, like, you know, and spell some guys at a couple different positions. That's kind of what he is. Approach, probably, a player coach. Probably gets on... Like a heater at some point, once or twice during the year, where he's hitting the ball really well, but generally not expecting that from him. But I get what you're saying because when I when I look at sheets, I say not an outfielder. And and Rickon and Kenny Williams and the brain trust and the people making the decisions with the last regime stupidly thought that he was. Just like they were like, we'll just put Andrew Vaughn in the outfield and that won't cause any trouble. It won't harm his development, and he'll be easily able to stand out there and make good plays. And they were wrong. And it, it caused all kinds of problems for him, and it was it was a detriment to the team defensively in a big way. But I, I think that this group is like defense first. I think that's really obvious. And I think that oh, you've yeah. got to be able to field your position. And I think if Sheets is out in the outfield in spring training right now, it's just to confirm that he can't do it. And if he is going to make the team, I think he's got to make the team as a first base DH that is going to is going to earn enough at bats that justifies using a spot on the roster for him. And if they do that, if he hits the ball really well, if he has a big spring, if they sit there and say, I think we got 25 home runs out of this guy if we play him regularly, then Andrew Vaughn has to be nervous, right? Because I don't think they're moving Aloy into the outfield to make room because, again, they want defense and they want to protect his, you know, his body. And they, they, I think that he's hitting so well right now, I wouldn't want to mess with that by getting him tweaking something while he's running around. You need him to focus on hitting. And you're not going to stick him out in the outfield and make a defensive liability when you're saying your whole purpose this year for crafting this roster, the way that you have, is to provide a better defense to improve the output of your pitchers and to make your team something that it never has been before, which is a fundamentally sound baseball team. You're not going to do that in eight positions and at position number nine out there on your scorecard and also the worst position, you're going to just put him out in right field and have him play play right. So, yeah, you're right. I think that a really good spring by Andrew Vaughn makes Gavin Sheets' life a lot harder making the roster as well because that's the guy who he's probably going to take the most at-bats from. And Vaughn is a guy that, I mean, there's there's another article sitting right there if you're looking at it on, on MLB.com and WhiteSox.com. Another article from Merck about Vaughn striving for consistency and durability in 2024. And anytime you see those, what you're really saying is Andrew Vaughn's got to figure this out. All right. So we're still at Andrew Vaughn's got to figure it out. And I'm pulling for Vaughn too. Frankly, I think, honestly, I'd love to see Gavin Sheets hit well enough that one of two things happens. Either A, he's there so that he can rotate in with Vaughn and even rotate in with Aloy Jimenez and actually provide good quality at bats if he can do it. And that's a big if at this point, because again, I, I just believe Gavin Sheets has shown what he is. But also, if he gets hot enough that some other team comes along and sits there and says, you know what, based on injury or based on need, you know, somebody that we were counting on taking the next step isn't ready, we're going to give you something that could be more valuable to Chris Getz down the road than what Gavin Sheets brings to them, which is just a, a, a spare part. So, 
I love spring training for that sometimes too, with some of these young veterans that are maybe not really in the, in the long-term future plans for the White Sox, but, but we've become accustomed to them being so. So it's, that's one of those where I'm glad Gavin Sheets is hitting. I hope he keeps it up, whether it's because he's going to make this team and he's going to carry that over into the regular season and take a step that we don't think he has, or we haven't seen yet. Great. Or if he's going to be somebody that sits there and goes, okay, you know what, this guy is going to be good for this team that lost their first baseman for a while or, you know, was counting on a rookie that's not stepping up and didn't make it or, you know, had, uh, you know, has a hole that that was never really ready. Right. He could end up he could end up with that team. He could also play really well in spring training and then they could use his option and send him down to the minors and he doesn't lose his spot on the 40 man. Because that's right. the thing, you're going to have to make room. If 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 Mendick, Pilar, and Moustakis are all making the bench, as as Merkin is predicting, there's three guys that have to be jettisoned off the 40-man, and they're not going to be doing that out of the bullpen as much as you think it is because they're going to have guys that are NRIs, non-roster invitees, that they have to make room for in the bullpen. <laughs> That music can only mean one thing, our weekly visit with the Sox nerd Dave Marin, the guy who throughout the season, when you're over at the rate, is going to be putting all those tidbits up there and interesting trivia uh, for you to kind of ponder and, and see if you know enough about this team to really be sitting out there. I think there's going to be a lot of good seats still available. It's all brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, explore, and see everything going on there this weekend and beyond at lamontdowntown.com. By the way, nerd, I was in Lamont last weekend. Got myself some barbecue at Matt's Barbecue. Great little spot. Walked over, found a a vinyl record store, picked up a brand new, well, not a brand new, a used, but new to my collection, Huey Lewis and the News record. Can you believe that? I can. And, you know, off the subject, I saw Huey on that document, The Greatest Night in Pop, and he was fantastic. Really surprised me. I think that's why I bought the album. What do you got for us this week? Chris, let's just dump out the old nugget bag this week. Here are some socks gems I've stumbled upon since we last talked. Some of these may end up on the board this season, and some of them may not. I was really encouraged with Garrett Crochet's spring debut on Tuesday. The lefty was consistently in the upper 90s and even hit 100. Crochet was the first pitcher to face Shohei Otani as a Dodger, and he got him looking by painting the outside corner with a blazer. That AB also featured Otani whiffing and losing his helmet on a Crochet heater. This should come as no surprise, though. This is the third time... Crochet has faced Otani, and all of the plate appearances have resulted in strikeouts. The trip to Hawaii, Cork and Kerry, and Kona Brewing are giving away has really gotten me to thinking about the Sox connections to our 50th state. In an earlier pod, I talked about how the Sox were the last team with a minor league affiliate in Hawaii, and that was in 1987. Another Sox Hawaii morsel, the all-time leader in wins among Hawaiians pitched for the Sox, Charlie Huff. Born in Honolulu in 1948, won 16 of his Hawaii record 216 games, pitching for the Sox in 1991 and 1992. Maybe the trip winner can send us a picture from Huff's birthplace. Wednesday, we marked another leap day. The only White Sox player born on leap day was pitcher Bill Long in 1960. 
Long is the career leader among leap day babies with 27 wins. Long pitched for the White Sox in 1985 and from 1987 to 1990. He was only six years old when his career on the South Side began. One more. How great is it that the White Sox are opening against the Detroit Tigers and they will hopefully have Dylan Cease on the bump? Among pitchers with at least 10 wins against Detroit, Cease is second all-time to Dennis Lamp, another Sox pitcher, with a 917 winning percentage. Cease is 10-1 and one against the Tigers. Does that mean the Sox have a 90% chance of winning on opening day? Before I get to my zinger, I remind you that gems like these and others can be found on my website, which you can link to at SoxInTheBasement.com. My zinger? Roger Clemens' first great season was 1986 when he went 24-4 and for the Red Sox. A White Sox pitcher handed Clemens two of those losses that season, and that man was Jose DeLeon, who unfortunately succumbed to cancer earlier this week. DeLeon also set the club postseason record for relievers when he fanned five batters in the Sox loss to the Blue Jays in Game 5 of the 1993 ALCS. That's it, Chris. Probably more than you wanted to know about Garrett Crochet, Hawaii, and especially Leap Day. And Huey Lewis. Here, check this out. When you combine State Farm Home and Auto Insurance, you save an average of $889. State Farm agent John Harrell is ready to help you combine home and auto and save in the Chicagoland area. Call him today, 708-481-4500. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Average annual per household savings based on a 2019 national survey by State Farm of new policy owners who reported savings by switching to State Farm. Merkin kind of goes into the pitching as well in this article, and this is the thing that I feel like the starting pitcher is, is what he told us a couple weeks ago, but I don't think that's as locked in, right? You know, Michael Kopech getting a start on Friday, 29 pitches in the first inning. Yeah, he struck out three, but he hit a guy with a pitch, and he put another runner on as well before he had to do that. 45 pitches through the first two innings, really good in short doses, right? He can be effective when he only has to pitch a couple innings, but that's a pace that puts him, what, effective through four and probably has to be removed somewhere in the fifth inning? A lot of improvement has to happen there. And, you know, they picked up Chris Flexen for the innings and they believe that he's going to be part of the rotation, but somebody like Nick Nestrini could make a case like, hey, I should be in this rotation. And a guy like Flexen, who has swung between being a starter and being a long, a long reliever in his career before, could very easily move into that role. But his starting five, of course, Cease, Fetty, Soroka, Kopech, Flexen. That all makes sense, at least at this point. I think that there might be some changes to that. And when you look at the relief pitchers, this is completely up for grabs. Like, he's got Jesse Chavez in there, and we laughed on the last episode. I don't, I just don't know I, why we, you're... We think Jesse Chavez pitched his way out in the first yeah. inning of his of his first spring start. Well, so. well, here's the thing. Do you really need to use a 40-man roster crunch? Like, that's a guy That's a guy right there who doesn't make the team if Gavin Sheets is hitting well, and they're like, okay, well, we want to send him down to the minors for the eventual injury, but, like... That means we don't want to take him off the 40-man. Do we have enough room to move things around to get Jesse Chavez on the team? So, I like, I mean, you, you right. see some of these names that he's talking about in his on his list, and he's got Crochet in the bullpen, 
And he and he's and he's got a Jordan Leisure is also his dark horse candidate that he said is like the guy that he thinks is going to make this bullpen. But I think those names in that bullpen are so up for grabs right now. You know, that's the one thing that like I don't even want to go through the list because I think the bullpen thing could be anybody. I mean, you don't even know who exactly is the closer. And and so like I, I that is going to be that's going to also be something where I think. I think the bullpen could literally come down to how many 40-man roster spots do we have? Do we really have room to be able to jettison somebody off of it to bring in a non-roster invite to be a relief pitcher when relief pitchers are a dime a dozen? Well, and that's that's going to be a key thing too is is how much how much roster space do you want to devote to a journeyman, okay? Even if he pitches well at this point. What you're really looking at right now with the bullpen is is not who is going to be hot over spring training, but who do you think fits a role? I mean, we we kind of forget, I think, as White Sox fans, about the concept of roster construction because everybody was supposed to be a star under the, the Han-Kenny Williams regime, right? Everybody could have been a closer in the White Sox bullpen. Everybody could be a frontline starter. There, were, You know, we have five aces in our in our rotation. You never did, but that was always the, the the bill of goods we were sold. And the same thing with the position players. Gavin Sheets and, and Andrew Vaughn playing in the outfield was because Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn were premier hitters, which, again, they really haven't shown. I, I also find it interesting that Corey Knable is probably not going to be ready and may have to spend extra time like getting ready for the season, but Pedro was talking like he's definitely making the team. That's also the weird thing about this. This, the, you know, I mean, does he have anything left? And you're already talking about, like, here's a guy who's he, he isn't even pitching down there right now. Right. There's so many questions. And that's the other thing, too, is when you're talking about the roster construction, Corey Knievel, Knievel. I think it's Knievel. I looked it up while we were talking. I was like, I was like, I want to talk about him. I'm not exactly sure how to say it, but several websites have have, have spelled it out to me as Knievel. So I'm going with that. Yeah. Okay. Evil Knievel is, (laughs) you know, he's a guy. Now, he's a guy that has closing experience. Okay. On a team that doesn't have a natural closer. Right. Jordan Leisure, I think everybody's looking at him going, wow, this guy's really, really good, and he's probably a closer of the future. And if Knable's injured, you can get extended spring training for him, and you don't need to probably put him on the 40-man to do it. I don't think you have to. And so it gives you a chance to see how things go for the first couple of of weeks. So that may, that you may can also use the be the 60, thing. You can use the 60-day IL on him, too, yes, and, you and, could. and hold him off. Yeah. And so that's where you're looking at like some of the injuries that have come up. You know, and some of the guys that aren't ready, I, Davis Martin's probably going on the 60-day. You know, if Jimmy Lambert's really hurt, they might put him on the 60-day, and that, that clears up a spot, too. Oh, I, I don't, he's, not even in, he's not even in Merkin's, like, his predictions right now. I think Jimmy Lambert now out, out for the next 14 days at least becomes a 60-day IL guy so that they can open up a spot on the 40-man without making a decision about Lambert. I think he's headed there. Yeah, and, and that's probably what's going to happen, right? Because then you don't have to worry about whether or not you can fit one of these guys on there that, that you don't have. Now, I will say, though, with Brebia and Tim Hill, Tuki Toussaint, Dieve Garcia, Garrett Crochet, you know, these guys are already there. So it, it, it's those seem, I think, probably pretty realistic. Garcia's actually having a decent spring so far. I, I really, I think the interesting fight is also still in that rotation because, you know, Flexen's got to still show it. Uh, he was really good with the Mariners a couple of years ago, but he was a disaster last year, and he's going to have to show something. And he's not an Eric Fetty type where he's sitting there going, okay, I have a new pitch. You know, I, I'm coming in with something new. I'm going to come in with a new look. He's coming back and saying, yeah, I probably need to use my curveball more and pitch to contact more. I was trying to strike guys out. And and it didn't really work for me. Plus, he was pitching in Colorado, which will suck anybody's life away. 
but it, you know, Michael Kopech comes out, and even if Michael Kopech comes out and dominates for for a couple of innings in his first spring start and his first spring outing, I don't think that that necessarily anoints him as a as a rotation. It's piece the either. same argument that you have for Crochet, because I'm always saying like this guy's great in small spurts coming out of the bullpen, right? If he has early on in spring great two inning starts. It doesn't tell me anything more about him that I already didn't know. Like, I'm sure the White Sox will say, we see something different. You know, we've got a, he's got a little hitch in his giddy up all of a sudden, right? Like he's got, he's got some TWTW. I don't know. But like, I mean, he may get, he may get sold to you. I think he makes the rotation based upon the fact that he is literally on every podcast blog that like, you know, every time somebody's talking to somebody is like, we're talking to Michael Kopech this week. Like Michael Kopech is everywhere right now they they he's like the the guy that they're pushing it's like it's like when they walk uh um cuba gooding jr through the floor jerry mcguire takes him along and makes sure everybody sees him right right and, and jerry mcguire like like we're it's it we're making everybody remember that you once believed in this guy right so i so think that we he, can trade him for a better player down the road maybe but it also could be like <laughs> hey we want you to not be upset when he makes the 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 rotation and we may leave a guy like Nastrini down in the minors to give him a few starts. But if Kopech doesn't work out, then we're going to be able to look at him and say, look, buddy, we gave you a lot of chances, but you're going into the bullpen. And and that, so I think he could start in a rotation and move to the bullpen because that may be the most logical way. Like the, the team may be sitting there saying, I think this guy ends up in the bullpen. But if we do it to him now without giving him one more chance, we may break him psychologically. So why don't we... Give him one more shot in a lost season, pump him up a little bit. You know, he's 20 pounds lighter, best shape of his life. And then if he if he does have it figured out, great. We were right to hang in there. But if he pitches the way he did the last couple seasons in the first month or so of this season, I don't think that he's in the rotation come June. No, and, and you know, the flip side is true too. So somebody like Jared Schuster, who did not have a great outing in his first outing, but showed increased velocity and does have a new little bit of a new wrinkle compared to what he did with the Braves last year. He comes out of that outing and he sits there and goes, I had a little trouble with the slider today, which will happen to a pitcher from time to time. Okay. And clearly he was trying to work that out when he let six guys in a row on base. So you could sit there and say over the course of spring training, it's not going to be a five-man rotation. It's going to be a six- or seven-man rotation. They're going to start pairing it down to the guys they want to see go through the lineup twice. So you might see somebody like Schuster sit there, and, and he's had a bad outing, or he might have a couple of rough outings, but if they like the increased velocity, if they like some of the things that they're seeing from him that are different, he's a guy that could, for example, use that to sneak in to the rotation and and bump a Kopech or bump a Flexen out if they're not pitching quite as well. Right. I, I think I think Schuster and Nastrini are the two guys that have the best chance of bumping in. I think they're going to get more of a look than everybody else right now. But again, Nastrini's a guy you got to right. add to the forty man. If like he so so he's he's another one. It's going to be like he, he really needs a problem. He really needs to be lights out. There's no way we can keep this guy down with this crunch that they have for them to keep him. But I also think, again, we've got heartless Chris Getz, man. He's not attached to anybody. If you're good, you're getting a spot. And if you didn't earn it, you're, you're going to be off the 40-man roster. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.